to the Action Podcast. Here's your host, my dad. And thanks for coming back and checking out the XM Podcast. Today is the beginning of a two-episode topic that is super important for us to be discussing. September marks Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. This is such a tough topic for many, and many have lost loved ones to death by suicide. It's heartbreaking. Today, our guest spent many years as a firefighter and a paramedic that was first on the scene for many that followed through with suicide. And he even shares of some personal experiences of loss in today's conversation. Well, welcome to the show, my colleague at Emerge, licensed independent social worker, Matt Haynes. Uh, my name is Matt, 49 years old, I'm married, uh, two beautiful children, uh, all of which follow Christ with passion. I live in Kent. I've been there my whole life. Um, in my past life, I was a first responder for a little while. And uh, yeah, I went on to become a counselor, something I'm very passionate about. That's who I am. So Matt, we're going to get into your former career of being a, a first responder, but talk to me a little bit about your journey into mental health and maybe why you made that transition and your interest in that. Um, it's a good question. Well, in 2010, I had um, a major transition in my life regarding um my physical health and the ability to take care of my family. And so I was faced with the decision of having to leave something I love to do. And uh, basically I fell into uh, what I would call a massive, uh, basically a panic attack. I had a panic attack. I, uh, uh, my family has a history of back injuries and uh, my mom's had a rod in her back and my, my sister, my brother, now myself, we have it. And that, that stopped me from being able to be a firefighter, basically. So um, I'm sitting there having a panic attack and I'm thinking I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna lose my ability to take care of my family, I'm gonna lose my ability to all my friends and uh, just my, my nervous system got overloaded and it couldn't handle it. So uh, that moment I think was a, was a change in my life where God showed up, um, identified a need in the fire service and first responder service, basically anywhere. And that, that was my transition into mental health. I, um, I developed a passion for people who are suffering, people who, uh, who are hurting, people who can't quite figure things out. And that's how it started. You know, you and I have very similar uh, movements into the mental health world. I, I was doing, I've shared this on the podcast before, I was doing a completely different career. And it wasn't until God brought me to my knees um, through panic and it was a, an anxiety and panic disorder mm-hmm. that I really learned that, um, you know, mental health was something that I had to be much more aware of. And so I went on a journey to understand what that meant. And, um, you know, here I am, you know, a decade and some years later doing the same thing that you're doing. So that's cool. The reason, Matt, that, that you and I are having this conversation is you and I talked about the month of September representing uh, Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. And being a first responder, you had a lot of um, just really difficult connections with suicide. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your experience um, being a firefighter and, and some of the history and, and share as best you can some of your stories to allow our listeners to, to kind of gain some understanding of um, the, the levity of, of being a first responder and, and how that um, was related to suicide. Yeah, well... Um as a first responder, you do see things from the other side uh, of after the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, which obviously 
leaves a, a, a strong impression on you. I mean, if you're in the fire service or police or military, that it's it's fairly common. Um, you know, even smaller departments, you're talking maybe four or five suicides a year. You put that into a 30-year career, you do the math, you're kind of in there. Um, I did 14 years. So yeah, you see a lot of it. You see, you see the devastation. You see the family that's left behind. Um, yeah, so it, it's pretty tough. Uh, as far as me personally, um, I've had four friends die by suicide, um, which has obviously had a major impact on me. And a lot of friends and overdoses and things of that nature, where I consider it a slow suicide when you're talking about drugs. So I think it's affected everybody, and I just think people don't like talking about it because. There's no one answer. Everybody's afraid. I think there's a level of fear of saying the wrong thing. I think there's a level of dealing with your own mortality. I think there's an acknowledgement of pain, that, of massive widespread pain that people don't want to address. So as a first responder, you got to hit, hit all that and, and process all that and work through all that. And uh, it's difficult. It's really, really hard. And so that's, that's kind of my take on that. Well, I'm so I'm so sorry for the the loss that you've experienced, not only in your professional life, but also your personal life. And um, I certainly have been affected by that too. And um, it's super hard. I, I don't know that it's something that uh, you truly ever get over. You may be able to process and grieve, but the the loss is 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 kind of there forever. And. Uh, super hard. So talk to me a little bit about um, suicide and, and, you know, a little bit of your perspective on um, things that you've noticed or, or things that, that, uh, that you see, things that we should be aware of or mindful of if, if people are experiencing or loved ones are. What, what are some of your thoughts around that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, as I was reflecting on this, which wasn't easy to do, um, I noticed that people that follow through with suicide don't all look the same. Mm -hmm. And that's important. That's really important to know. Like you might have somebody who is incredibly friendly and is putting up a really good mass and then reach critical and reaches critical stress mass. And then and it, and the pain shows up as anger and bitterness and frustration. And so it's going to look differently. So the things I try to look for um, is, you know, my my go-to is the suicide. I call it the triangle: mm. helpless, hopeless, and worthless. Uh, I try to gauge. You know, is this person uh, able to um, feel worth? Do they feel valuable? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, helpless. Do they have body agency? Do they have control over what's happening to them? Um, the big one, and I think we both, I think everybody agrees on this one, is shame, especially for men. Yeah. If if I detect shame which is, I am the problem, I, I, I can't help it, I am awful, I am unlovable, I have failed somehow by society standards, whether it's, I, for men, it's like, may, it might be, it might be, I can't provide for my family, or I lose my job, or uh, my children, you know, I can't, I'm not the man I wanted to be for my children, that the shame is, is very difficult. Shame is a big one. Yeah. I think um, somebody told it to me one time. It's like guilt is the idea of I did something wrong versus shame is I am wrong. And um, that is a, I think that's a really good way to uh, kind of tease that out. Talk to me a little bit about that then. Some of the things to, to, to give you an idea, some of the things I've noticed as a clinician, I think a lot of people get nervous when people are really depressed. I get really nervous when people don't feel anything at all. 
it's the it, it's like they become so dissociated that they don't have a sense of self anymore the shame has taken so over that they're almost numb to life experience if they're uh, and i'm not saying somebody who's really depressed wouldn't follow through with suicide but it's often another step after the depression that is um where they're in a a headspace to potentially follow through with a plan what are some of your experiences and thought about around that especially as a first responder um that's a great point um i actually again prepping for this i've been thinking about things and one of the things i've noticed is that people they will tell you matter of fact and you have to believe them sometimes right they're so out of it where they're like i've literally had conversations with people that if you know they're you better take that gun out of the car mm. And they look at them and they go, ah, oh, dad, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. No, take them seriously. Um, matter of fact, people, people that don't have that rise in emotion, that's, that's danger. That's mayday, mayday for me anyway. So I, so, so in those situations, yeah, I mean, I, I do everything I can to remain in connection with that person or develop, make sure they have those healthy attachments, those, uh, those abilities to, um, just to remain safe until that crisis passes. Cause yeah, um, the people that are numb, um, I think it goes to purpose. They lose purpose. And for a lot of people, suffering's okay if you have a purpose. If you're as purposeful suffering, you can make it. I'm doing this for a reason. The thing that becomes unimaginable is suffering without a purpose. Mm. If that makes sense, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I, I think it. I, I think that's where people become almost dissociated from life or disconnected. And I think that's why the human experience is so important. And, and what you just said, I, I, I want to highlight is staying connected. You know, I think a lot of times, even people who are at that point where they are ready to follow through with suicide, um, it's hard to do that when they when they're still connected to others. Whether that even is a first responder or a family member or a neighbor, um, but it's when you feel disconnected and then you are dissociated. Uh, physically from others. Um, I think that's why it's so important to, you know, I believe we were created to be in community and connection with others. And, you know, some of the things that I have gotten concerned about, and I talk a lot about, Matt, is that our culture is moving further and further away from community. Mm. We're moving online. We're moving, uh, the pandemic did a massive number on disconnecting us. We see this Um, massive disconnection in the church and because of those things we see spikes in suicide and it's it's part of i think the uh the process that we're on in the human experience of moving away from why and how we were created Hmm. that's the number one problem in my opinion in america i think in america and i think that's i think that tells in in the in the rates of depression suicide anxiety depression, traumatic stress. Um, I think abandonment is probably the biggest thing that I think people deal with what you're talking about. Um, that's another element of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, losing connection. Like um, I took a class, the national Institute uh, for the clinical application of behavior medicine. And they talk about this and they say that if you're in isolation and you don't, you don't have your healthy attachments, you cannot communicate. Okay. If you cannot communicate, you can't co-regulate, and the co-regulate's a fancy term for being in sync with an ind- another individual and feeling safe and feeling loved and feeling cared for and like I can be myself. So if, you can't, if you're isolated and you can't communicate, you can't do that. If you cannot do that, the mere hint of abandonment or the mere hint of someone 
will drag you into a nervous system response. So your nervous system is what you want to stay away from when you're feeling suicidal because it's become you become reactionary, you become impulsive. Uh, it becomes your emotional brain overrides your cognitive brain, and then you you uh, might um, yeah complete it. So it's just uh, it's an it's an absolute epidemic in my opinion, uh, especially with children. Um, if you don't mind me sharing, I they did this study too in regards to what you're talking about. Um, they explored a database of outpatient clinics of people with suicidality, and they, what they found out was after three years, they wanted to know who still had suicidal tendencies. And the and the the, the what the findings were were crazy. They found out that the people that still had it were the kids that were abandoned, or the people that never felt. The, I'll quote this: the lack of deep memory of feeling of love and safety. If they didn't have that deep sense, um, they they continued to have those suicidal ideations, which is devastating. And it's amazing to me how we leave these kids and people and to their own devices, sure. and and the damage you know the damage just starts occurring. We're not even aware of it. Yeah, you know you you open up the Bible and um, right in the beginning, God does a lot of creating and says it's good. This is good. This is good. He creates man by himself, and he goes, ah, that's not good. <laughs> not good. Amen. The first time yeah. God goes, you know what? I did something there that's not, not and, and what, what he meant was is it's not good because it's not, he's not meant to be alone. And, and we need to take that into consideration because I think um, by nature, trauma, stress, uh, social environments push us into alienating ourselves. And the more and more we alienate ourselves, the more and more susceptible, I believe, we become to suicide into having thoughts of suicide. And the thing is, is I tell people all the time, if you think you're a piece of crap 10,000 times a day, what are you going to believe about yourself? Absolutely. You're going to believe you're a piece of crap. And the, and the problem is, is we, we alienate, we pull away and we pull away and we pull away because it's the, the, it's the syndrome of when we're taught as a child that if we touch the stove, you avoid it. So then every pain in life we start to avoid. And if a person hurts us, mm. then we start to avoid people. And I think that's the way the enemy seeps into the human brain and gets us to disconnect, dissociate, um, not be a part of culture. And then all of a sudden, I, you can speak to this because I know from my practice, it's like every person I've worked with, and this is across the board that has a major depressive disorder, it has to do with the history of the things that they've done and that they're, they have no healthy connections in their life. Every one of them. You can, you can almost, when they come in and you know it's a, 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 um, a major depressive disorder, those two things are always in play. I am bad because of the things and the shame I carry and I have nobody that I'm connected to. And I think it's a, it's a huge problem. What, what are your thoughts around some of that? No, I agree with you. Yeah, the, the number one resource End of story. I don't care. If, I don't care if you're on medication. I don't care if you have a psychologist, a doctor. The number one resource we have. Period. End of story. Is loving, safe connections. Mm -hmm. Every single person I talk to, it's real simple for them, and it, and it's, it's this is actually really hard for them to to fix. Is you're gonna relapse, whatever it is, if you don't have that. If you don't have somebody to resource you up and love you and to help you, you know, validate, empathize, understand, and help you work through this life that we have uh you're in trouble and it, it might not be say you know sometimes we talk about suicide and that's the 
everyone talks about that, but there's also a underbelly of incredible amount of suffering that goes on that people never hear about because they're just lonely and they're, they're in this torture. They're in this like emotional torture cell because they can't validate what's going on. They can't, they can't ground themselves. They can't anchor themselves in something that makes them feel safe. Um, I always say this, it's like, if you cannot talk about yourself or you are hiding to, to another human being, you are essentially at war with yourself and so like the book of james talks about you know very clearly like you know if you if you're if you need repentance that's great you just ask jesus and no problem but if you want to be healed it says specifically you have to tell somebody mm-hmm. and be in connection with them so yeah. that's 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 my experience and anybody that uh quotes james on the podcast i give a, a total high five to i <laughs> i i use i use that book I mean, probably listeners get sick of me because it's like, does he know any other book in the Bible other than James? But it's such a good book. It's such it, it relates to everything. It literally the best. You, you can you can relate it. So that's really good. So uh, Matt, any other thoughts that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Any other things that that are on your mind that you feel like this would be really helpful for them to listen to and be thinking about people who are our family members or people specifically who are listening right now that are going, you know what? I, I'm really concerned about how I'm thinking or, or where, where my emotional state is at. What are some of your thoughts around that? Wow. Um, I could talk a lot. Um, feel free. I, I just, number one, I would say that if you don't feel loved, it's a lie. It, it, your love, Jesus Christ loves you. Mm-hmm. And um, end of story. Um, and I know that might not feel when you're in a lot of pain, feeling love kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. And so, just know that there's people out there like myself, uh, Matt, uh, emerge uh, that are willing to help. You don't have to. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be. Um, I would. I would tell you that um, there is suffering in this world, and there's, and you have to, if you can, get the help you need by identifying somebody and reaching out to them. That's what that that would be the biggest two, and then um, after that, I would um, I would pray. That's good to quote um, the Book of James again, which I've done ten thousand times. But the reason we suffer is because we need a savior. If we don't experience mm. suffering, then there's no point of Jesus Christ. And I love the way I'm paraphrasing the way James wrote it, but essentially he's saying, uh, if mankind doesn't experience suffering then what in the world did, did God send a Savior for? And, and, and when people ask me, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Because if, we went th- if good people went through life without experiencing bad things, they wouldn't reach out to Jesus. Mm, so good. We have to have a Savior. Amen. And so I, I, I want to echo what, what my brother Matt said a minute ago. You are loved. And, and Jesus does love you, and, and Jesus will sit in the fire with you. He will sit in the pain. He will sit in the trenches with you. And I know that's hard to hear sometimes, but uh, sometimes he doesn't necessarily pull us out. He just wants to be with us in those things because that fire and that pain and that adversity is what shapes us. That's what shapes us into who we need to be. And, and sometimes it's about that adversity that helps us become who we need to be, and it's so hard. And so... For anybody that's listening right now, if you are feeling um, disconnected, if you are feeling lost, I'm telling you this is the time 
to call and get a therapist. That, that, is, a, that is a great time. Call a pastor, call a church, call a friend. Uh, everything that Matt and I have been talking about on this podcast is about connecting and it's connecting to others. And I, I know for him being a first responder and, you know, he kind of gave us the numbers, how many times he had to end up at, at the end of a call showing up somewhere and, and that person did not do that. And that is devastating. Uh, it's heartbreaking. So if you are feeling that way, I, I implore you right now, know you are loved by Matt and myself. We care about you. We care about you as a creation in Christ. And um, and we want the best for you and, and, and we want you to live. And so, uh, Matt, thanks so much for, for spending some time with me this afternoon and appreciate your heart and what you're doing in Emerge. And we're so glad that you're a part of the team and it's been great to see you grow as a therapist. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thanks, Matt, for spending time with me to discuss this topic. Honestly, if you are suffering from suicidal thoughts and or plans, call 911 immediately. Uh, The Suicide Prevention Hotline is listed in the notes for this episode. You are cared for, I promise. Well, we will have another guest on in a couple weeks to further this discussion of preventing suicide. So until next time, or when our Savior comes, God bless. God bless.